Well, welcome to Bear Insider, Ultimate Insider Podcast. I'm Mike Pulaski, former Cal quarterback, Hall of Fame member, and 11-year pro. Today, we're going over the UCLA game, and we're going to look ahead at USC. I'll be talking to head coach Justin Wilcox here coming up shortly, but for just a brief synopsis uh, of that UCLA game, looking back as an, as an analyst doing the radio broadcast, it was a hard game to announce because physically you could see that UCLA was winning those matchups. They, they, their speed showed up, especially on offense. Their gambling style on defense showed up, and the Bears didn't have a whole lot of answers for it. I thought early on the first two series told us a lot offensively for the Bears in that when you're playing a pressure team, what you have to do on offense is not expect to complete a ton of passes. If you're 50% passing or 53% passing, that's a good game. But what you have to do is take advantage of the exposure that the defense gives you. If they're going to come down and play man, if they're going to play zero coverage, meaning there's no safety in the middle, then you have to take advantage of those shots. And early on, when UCLA wanted to bring pressure, when you got man coverage, uh, there were routes, there was potential to move a sticks, and the Bears weren't able to do it. And so early on, you could see that the offense was going to stutter a little bit. And so you have to know going into those games that they're going to come after you and they're going to win some of those battles. You're going to get some negative yardage plays. But then you have to get the plays where it counts, the third down and medium. You have to get the cover zero battles and you have to win. And so it looked like Cal's offense was playing on their heels all day long. On defense, the speed of Dorian Thompson Robinson, he's a guy at that quarterback position that for the last several years, he has been the X factor in every game. And generally speaking, when he was the X factor, it was more on the losing side than on the winning side because he would make a bonehead play or throw an interception or panic and, and throw the wrong ball. Uh, he would fumble. This year, he's gotten a lot better at that. Only six interceptions coming into the game this year. He's matured as a quarterback. He's playing way better within the system. And he's making big-time plays. It showed up out on the field. His quickness, his speed, his ability to get outside the pocket in that Chip Kelly offense uh, was pretty spectacular to watch. Chip Kelly will stretch you vertically. He'll, he'll run routes at you vertically. But he also, in the running game, likes to stretch you horizontally. He will run his quarterback on zone reads where they're making you, they're giving you leverage in three different spots. They're not just leveraging you on the run where, you know, a lot of teams will hand it off and you hit that zone, inside zone concept. But then the quarterback has the option of reading that defensive end or outside linebacker, whoever that leverage defender is, and keeping the ball if that defender overcommits down to the run. And so now you're putting a ton of stress on that guy. Well, if you have an answer for that, you bring the defensive end down, you run the linebacker across to fill, but the quarterback is just faster than the player who's supposed to fill at that spot. Or if a defensive end overcommits and, and feels like he's got it covered, but the quarterback is just faster, it makes it really hard to cover that play. And then they'd throw the third option off it where they'd run a tight end to the flat or a receiver to the flat or somebody outside on the swing. And the quarterback now has the option of giving it on his own read, of keeping it himself, and now, now creating leverage on that defense. If a defense reacts to him, the tackle, He's got an outlet for the, for the ball on the outside, and they pick up an easy 7 to 10 yards on that throw as well. And so it's really tough to cover. You have to be great in one-on-one -on -one space. You have to 
account for everybody, meaning you have to have 11 players on defense versus 11 players on offense. Oftentimes on defense, you can count numbers and count the quarterback out. You can't do that versus UCLA. And so it showed up this week versus UCLA, how talented they were, how fast the quarterback was, and how aggressive they were on defense. And I think the most disappointing part of it was that Cal wasn't able to win a lot of those one-on-one matchups. And so the week prior versus Stanford, they won a lot of contested matchups. This week, the Bears didn't win many contested matchups. They got one explosive play in this game, as opposed to, I believe it was eight or nine versus Stanford. And that was for like 15 yards. So it wasn't a huge explosive play at that. The week prior, the Bears had 360 plus yards uh, of explosive plays. And so you can see the difference in the game. When you win your one-on-one matchups, when you compete at that level in terms of talent and speed, uh, you have a much better outcome. I think that's kind of the whole story for UCLA game this past week. That said, I had an opportunity to talk to Coach Wilcox, uh, discuss what happened at UCLA, discuss the upcoming game at USC, talk about Joe Roth, the mentality going forward, and where it goes from here. Well, join me again this week, head coach Justin Wilcox. Coach, rough loss down there at UCLA. Obviously, didn't work out the way you wanted to. Just kind of give me a synopsis of your thoughts now that you had a chance to see the film. A disappointing loss, for sure. Uh, feel for the players and everybody involved. Uh, we we knew it would be a very uh, tough game. Uh, UCLA's playing very, very well. Uh, and uh, we expected to play better than we did, certainly. Um, but, you know, we just didn't didn't make near enough plays uh, really in any phase other than kick return, uh, but everywhere else we, we really uh, struggled to get things going, you know, offensively uh, had a real hard time getting any sort of rhythm running or throwing the ball defensively. We had a hard time uh, slowing down the QB. I thought the the speed at their, on uh, their offense, you know, the quarterback, the uh, fly sweeper, the, uh, the ability of the tailback, we, we struggle with at times. We struggle to tackle them more so than we have any other offense. And uh, so uh, when we did have them in some third downs, we we uh, we struggled to get off the field. So all in all, it just makes for a tough day. And, uh, you know, it wasn't for effort. Guys played hard and competed. It just uh, they, they out executed us and we got to we got to get better. So uh, it starts as it always does. It starts with me and and the coaches. One of the things about playing a pressure team, and UCLA is a pressure team, they love to bring the nickel blitz and the, you know all the different looks, is that as an offense, you can't expect to, to execute every time. You expect to get your shots, and then you expect to you know lose some too. And so you have yep. to expect that going in. It seemed like early on when the offense didn't execute, didn't get the first downs, they were kind of back on their heels to start the game. And just a sense me as I was broadcasting the game that that's kind of where they played the rest of the game from. Yeah, we just really struggled to to find a rhythm, and as you mentioned, with the style of defense that uh, UCLA employs, you gotta you gotta make them pay for for taking uh, for being so aggressive. And we understood, yeah, they got good players. There's no doubt about that. Their speed at, on defense was noticeable. Um, but if they're gonna pressure you that much, whether you crease them in the run game or you hit them in the pass game, you gotta make them pay. And and we didn't do that. I don't. I think we had one explosive play the entire day. And you know, we saw a lot of different type of pressures. We also saw a fair amount of zero, you know, zero blitz. And if they're going to zero blitz you um, that much, you got to make them pay. I mean, because if not, there's just there's no consequence for them uh, to not zero blitz you. And uh, so that was uh, 
you know, really the story of the day there on offense. And we, we just really never got into a, much of a rhythm. Yeah. To that point last week versus Stanford, they came out in zero chase, hit the slant to Javon Clark down the middle. It took off, got the big touchdown this week. They gave the same zero look. We weren't able to hit that slant. You saw it a couple times on film. It showed up. And for one reason or another, we weren't able to get that ball completed. Yeah. And there was a number of them, um, you know, not to go through every one of them, but uh, whether it was, you know, a protection uh, or a throw and a catch or a route or whatever, there was just too many uh, missteps for us to, to make the plays that we needed to make and, and uh, uh, made for a, made for a, a tough day for us. Yeah. I don't want to belabor the point, but up front, the big guys, physical one-on-one matchups. We talked about it after the game. You need to win the one-on-one matchups, especially if you got a big guy on a linebacker or on a secondary guy who's a smaller athlete. We weren't making all those one-on-one blocks, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we didn't win, you know, the, the week before we had talked about the number of competitive one-on-one wins that we had, uh, whether it's blocking, running, throwing, catching, covering, and, uh, this week really was flipped. I don't know that we had enough, you know, other than kickoff return, you know, Nico and the kickoff return team had two big plays, but other than that, there wasn't a lot of one-on-one wins, whether it was tackling, pass rush, coverage, uh, running, making somebody miss, blocking, throwing, catching. They're just, we didn't have near the number of competitive wins that you need. And uh, they're really good. I mean, I, you know, offensively they're, uh, to, to date, the best offense we've seen, and uh, they played like it. I mean, that quarterback, the running back, the fly sweeper, and the tight end really gave us some fits. Yeah, really talented in that position, not to mention Scotty Phillips, you know, another great receiver that they kind of yeah. use in motion, move, move him around the field. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Chip Kelly does with his offense is he'll press you vertically, but he also presses you laterally all the time. And he did that, a lot of zone read with secondary, you know, passes off the zone read as well. So he gives you not just the initial stretch on the outside backer, but then the stretch on the pass as well. Talk about how that affects the defense and how it affected you guys in the game. Well, it, uh, there's more than one play, you know, uh, the zone, you got the inside zone component. So you have to, you know, running up the field, the pass rush can be, you know, uh, fatal in zone read run game. And so you have to, you know, do some stuff where you either close on the dive and the backer or the secondary supports got the QB, uh, or you got to surf the dive and, and make the guy give it. And that needs to be within the game plan, which it was, but you know, as you mentioned, if the QB keeps the ball, now he's got the option to run it, which that guy is obviously really fast, or you have the third component, which is him throwing the ball, whether it's bubble or down the field, uh, and then off of that, they got the play action game. And so uh, in their play action game, you know, the O-line kind of just, you know, jump sets the guys. And then there's there's not much. We didn't win any of those pass rushes converting from run to pass. And so the perimeter, uh, the field gets stretched and puts you in one on one tackling situations. And we didn't, you know, again, uh, don't want to beat a dead horse here, but we just didn't make many of those either. And we, we had a hard time. Uh, kind of getting them behind the chains. And when we did, he still made the QB made some plays on third downs that, uh, that hurt us. And that's the thing about, I think as Dorian Thompson Robinson has become more efficient at that position, UCLA has become a better team because he was always kind of the X factor. And oftentimes it's the X factor. He would throw the pick at the end of the game. That would be the big problem, but he was much more efficient with the ball on Saturday. 
Yeah, he was very, very difficult to defend. Um, made good decisions with the, the zone game to keep the throws. I mean, the, you know, he threw some really good balls, too. It's not like he didn't throw it down the field. The one to the tight end in the end zone is, you know, we have coverage. Can We, we can be a little better on the coverage, but the ball's in a really good spot. I mean, the uh, I think later in the game, we have, have him kind of in the backfield and got a guy inside and a guy outside, and he sidestepped us and throws in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. And so, again, just – you know, the guy making a play and uh, made more than we did. So kind of lastly, let's look at the positive here. You talked about kickoff returns, right? That was a bright spot for us. Nico Armijo had a, a couple of big returns this game. What was happening well on that team? And and talk about Nico's performance. Yeah, uh, well, the guys up front did a good job staying on blocks, which is easier said than done. I mean, playing front line of kickoff returns, one of the hardest things in football and uh, guys staying on block, staying attached to people. And the Nico, you know, really having no fear. I mean, the guy hits it downhill. It's just how he plays the game and you know, as competitive as anybody. Uh, so Nico making some really competitive plays in there. And then the guys on the return unit doing their job. So always nice to at least finish with a bright spot. This week, obviously, USC coming up. You, you lose the opportunity for a bowl at the end of the season, right? There's no way to get to that 500 spot. But USC, a rival game, L.A. schools, a lot of kids from L.A., it's got to naturally keep that ire up on your team, doesn't it? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, the guys, you know, they're disappointed. Uh, I, I can't deny that, as we all are. But um, they have a lot of pride, uh, the guys on our team. Uh, they take – they take their craft seriously. Uh, they care about their teammates a great deal. And so um, even though there is disappointment, they, they came out yesterday with uh, a vigor and ready to improve and try and play better and, and excited to compete against USC. Uh, one of the things, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about a lot of the coaching changes going on in the Pac-12 right now. I know you're not going to have a lot of political statements about it, but what do you think about some of the new names coming into the league? Um, you know, I hear kind of just in passing at the end of the day, kind of what's happening and it's a part of our profession and, uh, you know, it's a, it can be volatile at times and there's, I'm sure they're all good coaches or else they wouldn't have got hired, but I, I don't really know much more than that. T time to study film when the season's over, when you go back to where they were. Yeah, uh, certainly, you know, uh, especially for the, the guys that we could face early in the season, um, but uh, we'll spend a little time in spring just doing some research based on uh, what guys have done in the past, offense, defense, special teams, schematics, so we can make sure we at least have an idea. Uh, as always, things can change and they adapt to their rosters uh, from year to year. But, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly spend some time in the offseason looking at those guys. And then this week, obviously, the, the, the team from L.A. that comes up every year is the Joe Roth game, and that's a big deal. For me as an ex-quarterback, I used to speak on Joe Roth every year. I know that there's a Joe Roth dedicated locker, and so we're remembering him more around the program. Talk about that that as a tradition and what that means to the team and to the program. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously more than the uniforms. You know, the people, uh, you know, see the uniform change, but it's, it's about, you know, perseverance and humility and courage and all the things that Joe Roth represents and what he – accomplished here as a player but more as more importantly celebrates who he who he was as a person and how uh his legacy lives on and and we'll talk about him uh, as a team uh, during the week and what he means to cal and 
you know, the lessons that we can all learn from a person like that. So it's an honor to, to, to be able to recognize him on Saturday. Yeah. An amazing person in that, you know, society has gone the way we talked a little bit about this, about victimhood these days, Joe Roth was not about to take a victimhood stance at all. He played it out. He showed courage. He, I mean, just ultimate in terms of team player uh, and a guy that players at Cal should emulate. Let's move on. Let's talk about SC. You watch game film on SC. Tell me about where this team is at, what you think. Obviously, they're completely different without Drake London. Does Slovis play this week? There's a lot of question marks out there. Yeah, I, uh, as you know, Mike, I mean, when you watch SC, they're going to be talented. They've recruited really well in the last four years. They've got a full roster. Um, you know, they put 64 on the board in the last two games combined, so they can score. Um, obviously, you know, losing the, the wideout, who's a great player, I'm, I'm sure has uh, hurt them a little, but it's it's not like they don't have anybody behind him. And these guys, they have pride too, you know, and they got a new coach, and I'm, I'm sure they're going to be excited to show the new staff what they can do. Uh, so they've got a talented quarterback room, as we know, and defense is the same. I mean, they got the secondary, the nickel, uh, the corner, defensive ends, uh, that are in defensive linemen, interior guys that are pro football talent, you know, and uh, so it'll be a, a great battle. And our guys, you know, a lot of guys from Southern California, it means a lot for our guys to compete against SC. Offensively, air raid style system, Graham Harrell calling plays. You've been effective against the air raid. What does it take to defend that system uh, when they want to spread the field and use every blade of grass out there? Yeah. Uh, well, <clears throat> big picture wise, the first thing is you got to tackle well because they do space you. Um, you know, the, the perimeter and open field tackling is going to be key. Um, I think you got to change the, the picture on the QBs and the receivers so you don't show them the same leverage uh, and coverage structure the entire day. I think that's a key. Um, they, they run the football, they've run it well. Uh, they got talented back, so you can't discount. You know, it's not. Again, I think we've talked about this before, you know, Coach Leach a couple of years ago, maybe their pass to run ratio was one thing, but these guys, you know, will really run the ball and throw tunnels and now screens to get their athletes the ball, which is essentially like a run play. So you got to do a really good job there. And then, you know, third downs, you got to find a way to get off the field. And as I mentioned, changing it up, whether you're pressuring, whether you're covering uh, man zone, you know, four man, five man, six man rush. You gotta, uh, you gotta kind of change the picture on them. And uh, yeah, it's an effective offense, and there's a reason they've been so, uh, you know, adept at scoring points. When you go into games as a as a defensive minded guy, deep, you know, former D coordinator, and you know teams run a style of system, it's a pure progression style system. Does that give you anything to hang your hat on? offensive or defensively to kind of, I know you were talking about changing the picture. That's a big piece of it, right? Making him move his yeah. eyes, use his eyes and try to get through his progressions. Is there anything else in terms of pure progression systems that you can hang your hat on as a D coordinator? Well, I would say, you know, you mentioned it, changing the picture and not showing a pre-snap, you know, is the nickel, is the slot defender inside or outside leveraged, you know, is the safeties, is it going to stay splitters that go into middle close uh, and making the QB work, after the snap a little bit. Uh, so not everything's on rhythm, you know, I'm trying, as you know, as a QB, uh, we want to make that guy pat the ball a couple times and allow, whether it's a four man, a three man, four man or five or more get there. Uh, and 
the coverage can have something to do with that. Um, and if we do that, we got to be effective in, and uh, affecting the quarterback and, and get him on the ground too. Yeah. Lower he holds it more. You can affect his platform as well. So it's less accurate yeah. downfield defensively. Obviously they've always got good guys up front. They've got guys that can rush the passer, good, good linebackers, and they're always skilled in the secondary. How do you take advantage of what they give you? Yeah, I think you just mentioned it. They, they uh, earlier in the year, kind of were in and out of base and nickel a little bit more. They've shown in the previous weeks to be, you know, more nickel oriented, uh, four down type defense. Um, and they do a good job, you know, quite a bit of single safety. Uh, they do pressure and have different versions of uh, pressure. They'll man you, they'll zone you. Um, and I think it, it, it all goes back to, you know, it's those competitive wins, whether you're blocking, uh, running, throwing and catching and, uh, staying in rhythm when we've been at our best we've stayed in rhythm on offense you know having positive yards on first down or completions and uh you know getting ourselves uh manageable thirds when we're in them and putting the ball in the end zone in the red zone so uh they have a good defense there's no doubt about that they're talented guys and they have pride will expect their best effort well i appreciate you coming on here today coach best of luck in this game seo has mean something to a lot of us from southern california right it's always a big game uh, no matter where they play them down there or up here to finish off the season this year, it'd be great to go out with a win. Absolutely. Uh, thanks a lot, Mike. Look forward to talking to you soon. So one more game for the Bears. It is the 30th reunion for my 1991 Citrus Bowl, so it'll be great to see all those guys again. It is an opportunity to kind of celebrate Cal football and be back in touch. I hope everybody will be there at the game this week. USC is always a heated rivalry, one of my favorite teams to beat when I played. And so I hope to see you in the stadium. Look forward to seeing what the Bears put on the field on Saturday. Hopefully they can rebound off that UCLA loss. Big thanks to Coach Wilcox this year. I know sometimes it's not always easy to get on and do the interviews, but he's always shown class, uh, been forthcoming with the information, much more so than other coaches in the past, uh, and really been professional about handling his business and getting on this podcast. So tough to do, uh, especially when you got a guy who knows football kind of pulling it out of you. And... He did a great job of coming on here and doing it this year. Looking forward to seeing the Bears this weekend. Looking forward to seeing you at the game, as always. For the Ultimate Insider, Bear Insider Podcast, I'm Mike Pulaski. Go Bears.